0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and, of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan.
1: Hello, and welcome again here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Super Bowl weekend here. As uh, a lot of reasons for Nebraska fans to watch the big game with Zach Taylor, um, Joe Burrow. <clears throat> um, uh, oh, excuse me.
2: Yeah, we don't, we don't talk about him. So,
1: sorry, but you know, big, <laughs> big weekend, Super Bowl Sunday. Um, but really, um, you know, some of the bigger news, Robin, to come out of the week, uh, Nebraska will play Rutgers on Friday night. And that game will take place, obviously, at Rutgers. And when you looked at Nebraska's schedule going into the year, it felt like there was a chance for a Friday game, um, particularly when they played back-to-back road games with Purdue and Rutgers. Um, that, that was like, okay, this, this strikes me uh, as a Friday opportunity for the Big Ten. They like to put about two of these games a year in October um, to play on Friday, and generally they zone in on a fan base that's not really going to care, mm-hmm. um, a game that maybe wouldn't draw a great rating on a Saturday, but on Friday, in all you know terms, it would probably draw triple the rating. And so Nebraska will play Rutgers at SHI Stadium. I will make my homecoming there, Rob, and after that great, memorable 2020 night, where Nebraska triumphed in victory over Rutgers in the fourth quarter, and then voted not
2: to go to a bowl game afterwards. Yeah, the infamous Rutgers game where uh, they played so well and you thought that maybe that would springboard them into a uh, defunct uh, or de facto bowl game. Uh, it did not. Well, it uh, did, though. Well, kind of did. They, I mean, had, they, they had the opportunity they had to five, do it. They
1: had five <laughs> invites to different games. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, a memorable trip. But, yeah, Nebraska will play out there on a Friday night. So Noah Vedrill versus Nebraska, finally, we'll get to see that matchup, te- if, assuming he's their starter and he's mm-hmm. healthy. Um, at SHI Stadium, and I'll, I'll be honest, I, I feel like most people are like, cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, the fact, long, the long fact weekend. that it's, it's Rutgers, one, and it's obviously going to be on the road, two, and you it know, really sets up favorably with the re- uh, respective schedules for both teams. Obviously, that's on October 7th, so Nebraska will be coming off, um, you know, they have that bye week after Oklahoma and they play their homecoming game against Indiana uh, at home. Uh, And then, you know, then they go to that Rutgers game. It's a short week, but you look at what Rutgers is doing. They play Iowa at home, and then the very next week they're at Ohio State. So they're coming off two difficult games uh, and then having to play Nebraska on a short week. So, you know, as far as Having to play a Friday night game, I know some people just with high school football and uh, you know the tradition of it don't don't necessarily like it. But from at least an advantage standpoint, you'd seem that having that game where it is against that opponent uh, works out in Nebraska's favor, maybe opposed to some other potential matchup.
1: And look, high school football, I get it. And by the way, they released that Friday night game the day high school football games yeah, nice timing were announced for the next two years and. You know, you might see some high schools play on Thursday um, just because that, you know, if you're, if you play four or five home games a year, there's some schools like Omaha Westside, for example, they draw huge crowds and that might affect maybe 2,000 people from going. And you multiply 2,000 times seven or eight, that's a lot of money um, in their budget for what they plan for. Um, So you you could see some Thursday nights, um, you know, people move things around, but. I don't know. I think in general, a lot of people are like great. I could maybe now spend an extra day in New York, fly Thursday night, mm-hmm. go Make to the game Friday, have all day Saturday in the city, and then go home Sunday. And you know, I'll, I'll even be curious if Nebraska what they do for their their sweet holders trip. They they probably already know what that's going to be, but would it, would they take people out to New York for that game? Um, would they Would they do the trip to Michigan later in the year? Um, that will be interesting to see kind of what they do for their sweet holders. because they typically like to take uh, the sweet holders out to one of those road games every single year. But let, let's move on. Um, coaching staff news, um, and, you know n- nothing. You know I think you, you've got to really be an insider or someone that's followed it closely to understand this move. But this week, Robin, um, I was I, I just ha- happened to be checking the directory at Huskers dot com because the new offensive line GA they brought in from Charleston Southern University. I'm like, I want to see if he's listed in the directory because his Twitter is updated in Nebraska. Well, he's not listed, but I'm looking through there. I'm like, wait a minute. Vince Ginta is listed in the directory. And so I'm like, well, I reported, obviously reported on the site. Vince Ginta is coming back to Nebraska. He's going to be the senior um, head of recruiting and personnel. Essentially um, that department will report to Vince Ginta and, this was a position that he held with Bill Callahan um, under Tim Cassidy many years ago. He was asked to stay on back by Bo Pelini and Tom Osborne, chose to move on from Nebraska, then got back into it. He worked. He's worked at Utah, Oregon State, Wisconsin, um, most recently now Baylor, um, where he ran the show for Dave Aranda. So um, they have really kind of change the face of what they're doing in recruiting, not only with some aggressive assistant coach hires like Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph, and now they bring in Vince Ginta, um who will kind of run and manage that operation behind the scenes.
2: Yeah, and I think the kind of you mentioned the people that aren't, that dialed into the ins and outs of recruiting in Nebraska's recruiting staffs over the last, you know, 15 years or whatever. Um, they might not appreciate just what a big deal this is, but I mean, this is a guy that has some serious clout in this role. Uh, you look at his track record and the schools that he's, uh, worked particularly just most recently, the job that he's helped do at Baylor, uh, to turn that program into what it is. But, uh, you know, when he was at Nebraska, you know, he was right there with big Bill Callahan orchestrating some of the best recruiting classes, Nebraska football had seen in the modern recruiting era, um, you know, with the, the amount of NFL draft picks and um, level of recruits they, they were able to bring in. So, you know, maybe you could speak more to it, but, you know, I think that this is a deal that um, probably needs to be appreciated a little bit more than it has been given uh, just what this guy can do for Nebraska's entire recruiting operation. Well, I, I talked to Vince briefly this week and, um, you know, he said
1: there's something about Nebraska. He just wanted to be back here. You know, there's just something about this place. Um, you know, that he's never forgotten. And I hear that a lot. I mean, and you even hear it with basketball guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, Tim Miles still owns his home in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Doc Sadler comes back to Nebraska. Um, you know, you think about guys, um, you know, like John Papuchis. He's got some of his best friends still to this day are in Lincoln, Nebraska, that come and visit him and talk to him and catch up with him. Um, you know, guys that have been here and worked here, even if they left on bad terms, they still kind of have a special place for what Nebraska meant to them. And I think example here with Vince Ginta, why he wanted to leave Baylor uh, for this opportunity.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think it also continues on with the momentum um, that Nebraska football and Scott Frost have been able to build uh, considering where they were uh, at the end of November um, for them to not only assemble the staff and, um, you know, recruiting class and, and transfer group that they've brought in so far, but then to add, this piece, um, that's, that's a really big deal. And a, a guy like that and the coaches they brought in, you know, they must be fully bought into this thing, working with frost and they fully believe that this is not just some sort of one year bandaid, uh, that maybe some people assumed it was going to be, uh, when that restructured contract and all that stuff with the parameters were laid out. I mean, this seems to be some serious momentum being built here, uh, at some in really key pieces of an entire football program not from a coaching staff and player standpoint but um, the real operations part of it the guys that really are behind the scenes making things work
1: you're listening here to the husker online show and other news this week too nebraska baseball announced that their their season tickets are sold out robin for reserve seating so if you want to take your wife and kids bring the picnic blanket we're sitting <coughs> in the berm it's baby berm time berm but you know I that's like that's berm, great though. and Um, And we're going to talk about this, I think, in the mailbag more. But you wonder, is there a chance of alcohol being served at Haymarket Park this year um, with the Board of Regents more than likely allowing alcohol at Pinnacle Bank Arena for Big Ten Wrestling? Mm -hmm. Does that open the door for a cold brew um, inside Haymarket Park this year. I'll be, uh, I'll even add to that crowd. I'll tell you that much.
2: Yeah. I mean, it seems like the most natural, uh, you know, transition to try to do that <sighs> for one. It's just less people, less management of, um, all the negatives that people want to bring up every time this conversation happens. Been um, obviously you're, your ready-made facility. You don't have to transition to anything. It's there ready to be done. Uh, and so That makes too much sense for them not to start that way, especially with the crowds and excitement around their baseball program. I think that would put it over the top. Yeah,
1: and it's outdoors, it's a tailgate sport. I mean, it just people are going to be tailgating in the parking lot anyway. Exactly. So we'll see where that goes, but uh, much more to come. JoJo Dolman is going to join me next. He's out in Fort Myers, Florida, training for the draft just off the senior bowl, has the combine coming up later in the month before pro day. Um, in late March at Nebraska. So we'll catch up with our good friend, Jojo Doman next. And we'll also hear from the Lord mayor of Dublin, Alison Gilliland <laughs> big time. So Alison's going to join me, uh, the Lord mayor of Dublin, um, as we talk Huskers to Ireland. And I'm telling you, I just, I was just down the street at the canopy market, our good friend down there. He goes, Sean, my wife and I had bit the bullet. We bought the eight day package on Huskers to Ireland.com. So I'm hearing that a lot. I think people, now that they feel like this game's going to happen, mm-hmm. There's, it's a little more real. Now. They're like, let's do it. Like, I think there was this fear. Oh, COVID, COVID. But now when you're seeing California and Illinois and places other than Lincoln lift their mask mandates this week, um, I think people are moving forward, and I think a lot of people are moving forward with this game happening
2: in Dublin. Yeah, I know a few people that have already bought the package. Some people are doing the, the full-on uh, you know, experience, and other people are just getting the game tickets and doing their own thing. But either way, there seems to be a lot more interest than maybe there were a few months ago.
1: All right, well, we'll hit on that as Alison Gilliland, the Lord Mayor of Dublin, will join me Learn more at UScellular.com slash built for us.
0: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska Athletics. And welcome back here
1: to the Husker Online Show. And as every week on the show, this segment of the show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Uh, with locations in Omaha and Lincoln, get on into Tanner's this weekend. I'll have all the college basketball action on. And obviously the big game on Sunday will be on at Tanner's as well. And i um, pleased to bring in uh, a loyal customer and fan of Tanner's Sports Bar, a guy that's been very familiar voice on the Husker Online podcast channel, Jojo Dolman, joining us from Fort Myers, Florida, uh, fresh off his Senior Bowl appearance Jojo, it's great to hear your voice. It's great to catch up. Um, it has to be a whirlwind for you, just kind of uh, getting ready now for the next step of the draft process.
3: Yeah, Sean, thanks for having me. Uh, feels feels like old times, man. I miss uh, it. This ain't the beat no more. <laughs> I
1: know, I miss it.
3: But man, man, it was a good run. 18 episodes. It was it was a long, but it was a good run. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down in Florida training right now with X3. Actually, have a uh, Iowa and a Wisconsin roommate who we're actually getting along. Believe it or not, so I'm I'm living my best life, living the dream.
1: Well, let's talk about the Senior Bowl first, Jojo. You were out there. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt was out there. A number of other Big Ten players played in the game. What was your biggest takeaway of the week? Um, what do you think you really gained out of that experience?
3: Yeah, I mean, the Senior Bowl was a was an awesome experience. Jim Nagy does a great job putting it on. And I learned a lot, of learn, a lot of things I can get better at. Um, they had me kind of inside at that will position um, that, I had, that I obviously didn't do at Nebraska. So it was, it was honestly a lot of fun learning a new position and a new scheme, going against the best guys in the country. And I just let it fly. First day, I was thinking too much and not playing. And then I feel like from that point on, I just I flipped the switch. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to let the things I don't do well affect the things I do do well. And felt like I finished out the week strong. And then, yeah, the biggest gains was probably the relationships that I built within, with from the teammates from across the country. Um, and then, yeah, just getting my, just get, get in front of all 32 NFL teams was obviously an insane experience where kind of just answer their questions, they interview you, you tell them their story. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've i been to the Senior Bowl once, JoJo, and I was starstruck myself, just the number of coaches, GMs, college coaches even are out and about. Give our listeners an idea. Who are just some of the people, like, when you're walking around, you're like, oh, God, he's watching, he's looking, he's here. I mean, it, it's it's almost overwhelming the amount of people that go down to Mobile for that.
3: Yeah, I mean, at the game, I saw uh, Coach O um, from LSU, saw Davos Sweeney, um... But then when we were doing interviews and then at practice the next day, Mike Tomlin was out on the field and our second practice, it was raining from start to finish, just pouring rain. And you could just, I mean, just the, the level of intensity is on a whole nother level. And and then you got Mike Tomlin there and he was kicking it with us, even coaching us, trying to figure out what we were running and giving guys just like advice on just like the standard stuff, like, yo, make sure you go to the ball, make sure you communicate. Um, yeah. So that was that was pretty crazy seeing Mike right there from arms length away.
1: Yeah, those practices. I mean, you've been a lot played a lot of football, but those, particularly those like three kind of intense days of practice, when you got guys that are fighting to get paid, trying to get drafted higher. What are those practices like at the Senior Bowl?
3: Oh, they were the most physical practices I've ever been a part of, um, by far. And I mean, day one, walk through one, we. Uh, before we even stretched we took our helmets off and we were doing walkthrough but dudes were flying around hitting each other literally a dude went to the ground um <laughs> day one just because no one wants to do the guy loafing nobody wants to be looking bad and we kind of cooled off in the walkthrough after day one but um that just goes to show like the intensity that everybody brought and yes there's a lot of money a lot of opportunity on the line so everyone's trying to their best foot
1: forward. We're talking here with Jojo Dolman in Fort Myers, Florida as he's training for the draft, fresh off the Senior Bowl appearance on the Husker online show. Now in the game itself because of the rules of the game, they have to play specific balanced looks on defense. You were an inside the box linebacker. I think he played a little bit over 30 snaps in the game. Um, That was different for you and um, it's probably not how you're going to be used at the next level. Um, How did you kind of handle that experience?
3: Yeah like I touched on, I just wanted to show my flash show my abilities and not let what i don't do well hinder what i do do well and i mean the toughest part was i got some of the best running backs in the country i'm supposed to tackle and then some of the best old linemen 300 pound beef in front of me trying to stop me from tackling them so like just the level of play was that much greater and um just t- just you know familiarity i i Definitely need some work. A lot of technical work on taking on blocks. When to be, when to take them on thick. When to go over top. Um, and that's just going to take repetitions. It may it takes like a thousand repetitions to make something a habit. It takes ten thousand um, to be elite. So I'm just getting started, and it exposed me in certain in, in certain areas. But at the end of the day, I'm learning from every experience that I go through. And I'm I'm at the facility right now working on my block shedding with a medicine ball. So. You know, every everything I just take as a lesson and try to learn from it.
1: You're, uh, you know, you played in the game with a lot of Big Ten guys and you're training with Big Ten guys, as you mentioned. I think Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin was at the game. Um, you're with Kerner from Iowa. I, b- I believe you said Xander Horvath maybe from Purdue um, and some other Badger players. How fun is it just to kind of compare notes and talk to guys from other teams that you played against the last six years?
3: It's so fun comparing you know, just talking and that was like a that was like a focal point of conversation when I first moved in with Matt Henningsen and Jack Kerner was basically what it what it means to play on a football team and what our cultures were like and our programs were like at our respected schools. So um, yeah, it's it's a blast, man. And now now we're good friends. Once enemies, now allies. It's it's pretty surreal and we're just we're like minded guys that have dedicated our whole life to Uh, mastering our craft so it's good to be around this type of environment
1: so at the senior bowl jojo did you interview with all 32 teams
3: all 32
1: and is that kind of does everybody basically do that or did you have to be on their list to meet with all 32 teams
3: no we all met with all 32
1: so when you go to the combine and your dad obviously with his uh, deep background you will you will you have to do some more follow-up interviews or does this kind of help take away or take care of that interview process at the combine um, you know coming up down the road
3: there'll definitely be some interviews at the combine I probably won't have to go through the standard basic ones they'll be more um, intentional per se Um uh, but then, yeah, like a lot of like the psychological testing and cognitive thinking tests that they had to do that took like three hours when we first got there. I won't have to do it with the combine. Really
1: nice. So over the years at Nebraska, you got asked a lot of questions from the media, um, probably some good ones, not so good ones. Well, give us an idea. What were some of the crazy off the wall questions? Because I've been to the Senior Bowl and the questions that people ask you there are off the wall. Like, what were some of the – Did anybody ask you about our podcast, by the way? Did that get brought up at all? You did a podcast or anything funny like that?
3: No, actually, that didn't get brought up. But, we'll get... no, like, I, it was kind of more standard questions. They really just wanted to get to know us. I think those type of hardball questions, those antagonizing maybe questions, are coming at the Combine. So definitely, <laughs> definitely just got to be, you know, even kill and, and, and just have a conversation with them.
1: So did you meet with a lot of head coaches at the Senior Bowl in these meetings, or was it typically like assistant general managers, scouts? I mean, who, who are typically in these interviews when you're doing them?
3: Uh, mostly just scouts and then some position coaches. I met with the position coach from the Saints. Um, and, yeah, they, they record all the interviews. They'll get you up on the board. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, something I had to talk about it with, with everybody was my injury history. And, you know, I loved it because I truly don't believe I'd be at this level if it wasn't for my setbacks. You know, the adversity that I faced that forced me to, to grow stronger and to invest in my body and just really be intentional with everything that I do. And that's what I told them.
1: Wrapping up here with uh, Jojo Doman on the Husker Online Show who was the guy or two that you walked away from Mobile saying, wow, that guy's good? Like, I mean, you've seen a lot of good players, but being in a week of practice, who are the guys or the, the one or two players that really blew you away?
3: Shoot. Um, the running backs are really good. Robinson Jr. from Alabama and, and Pierce from Florida were, were pretty freaking good. Uh, uh, what's his name? McBride from Colorado State. Did a really nice job. I also was impressed with Chad Muma. Uh, He was on the national team, but you know, you just you like to see, like to see him succeed. He's a Colorado kid, and just uh, really excited about what he what he does out on the field. And he does a lot of good things out there.
1: Who was the Northern Iowa offensive lineman? That guy just seemed downright nasty.
3: Yeah, I tried to stay away from him. I don't know his name, but I tried to stay clear.
1: <laughs> yeah they were showing his practice footage in the on Saturday and I'm like God I hope jojo doesn't I mean he, he was a uh, six foot nine six foot eight guy but there yeah there were some that, that was this it had to be a wonderful experience jojo and we appreciate you uh taking some time here in the middle of your training I know you're um in between workouts here so uh like all Nebraska people we wish you the best of luck jojo and we thank you for everything you've done here at Nebraska over the last six years.
3: I appreciate that, Sean. You know I always got you. I'm, uh, I'm open anytime. Husker faithful, I love you. I'm gonna make y'all proud, and like always, go big red.
1: All right. Well, much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back
1: here to the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, as uh, we've talked about for several months, uh, Nebraska will be heading to Dublin, Ireland, this segment of the show once again, brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus Football Classic, as Nebraska will take on Northwestern. You can get those tickets right now on Huskers.com as they've gone on sale to the general public public but uh wanted to bring in a special guest this week and uh, we are honored we are pleased to be joined by the lord mayor of dublin ireland allison Gilliland. allison we really appreciate you taking some time Uh, i know there are a lot of nebraska fans anxious to get to your city of dublin in august
4: It's my very great pleasure to be with you here today, Sean, and we are ready, willing, and have our arms open to welcome those Nebraskan supporters to Dublin. Uh, It's a great city. They're going to have a great time here. Uh, Dubliners love sports, uh, and we're really excited about this game returning.
1: Well, yeah, let's talk about uh, having the game in Dublin. Obviously, it hasn't been there for a couple of years because of COVID, um, but this will be one of the bigger... Uh, you know, two worst events Ireland's probably had since the pandemic. I mean, how, how much does it mean just to have a game like this and tens of thousands of, of fans from the United States traveling into Dublin?
4: It means a huge amount to us. Uh, Irish people love sport, uh, and we love playing sports and we love attending sport. And this is a really, really unique event for us. And as you say, we've had a gap, I think of two years since we welcomed college football to Dublin. It always draws a massive amount of Dubliners to the game, to mingle with uh, the home crowd from the United States, Nebraska, in this case. So I think we'll have a really, really, really exciting day in Dublin. And I I hope the people coming from your part of the world will stay for a while and be able to enjoy Dublin uh, and everything else that it offers outside the game.
1: We're joined here by the Lord Mayor of Dublin, Ireland, Alison Gilliland, on the Husker Online Show And Mare, what will your uh, role be? Will you hopefully be at the game? Are we going to run into you? um...
4: I I have two tickets kept aside for me. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'll be out there shouting for Nebraska. uh, And I just hope it's exciting uh, and that everyone has a really good time. I I hope it doesn't rain uh, and that we have lovely weather for it uh, and everybody can really enjoy themselves.
1: Now, what is uh, August like? I've had people tell me that's probably the best time to visit Ireland.
4: Yeah, August is a great month. It's, It's part of our summer going into our autumn. We have a lot of people on holiday. So, you know, there's a nice, relaxed atmosphere in the city. Uh, over the last 18 months we have installed a huge amount of outdoor dining in the city so we've really turned the city inside out you could say so you'll have people wandering about you'll well, have people of course still still in work but it's probably one of our high spots for tourism at that time so there'll be a lovely international flavour to the city
1: yeah what um you know if you were to give nebraska fans you know two or three pieces of advice and kind of planning that perfect trip, not just to Dublin, but to Ireland in general, what would you tell people?
4: Absolutely. Stay for at least a week if you can. You know, we have Dublin, and that's the big capital, the urban center. But outside of Dublin, we have some amazing landscape, particularly on our west coast and southwest uh, check out the city before you come. We have a great website, Dublin.ie, and that has all the events that are on, on the city in the city. You can book them uh, because with so many people coming, and given that it's the height of the tourist season, I don't want anybody to be disappointed. And I suppose take time to relax, to sit out, have a coffee, enjoy. Uh, I suppose our pub culture is renowned for being very warm, friendly, having good fun in it so i think just relax and enjoy the city enjoy your experience here with us
1: i was in dublin um in in december actually early december and i I was just blown away every corner had a pub and a coffee shop i mean everywhere you went um you could either find a good cup of coffee or a pint um and there's just so much culture and it just so inviting Um, And that was the biggest thing that jumped out to me how welcoming Dublin was.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of those pubs that you talk about has traditional music in it or or non-traditional music in it. Uh, And there's sometimes people just start singing and playing instruments of their own accord in it. So it is very much a a place for people to come together. Coffee shops, um, we have a lot of retail, we have a lot of museums, art galleries exhibitions we've a lot of street art actually that was something that we I suppose proactively engaged in over the last couple of years and and ha- has been to great delight for people given that a lot of our establishments like no more than you have been closed during the COVID pandemic so there's a lot to do see and a lot of places just to sit down and enjoy yourself in
1: yeah as we uh, talk here with the uh, Lord Mayor of Dublin Alison Gilliland on the Husker online show um what, what can Nebraska fans expect with Aviva Stadium? I was there in December, and I was blown away. It was a first-class facility. Uh, what can you tell us about the venue um, that Nebraska is going to play in?
4: The venue is absolutely amazing. It's not very old. It was renovated about 10 years ago and is now a first-class stadium. It's really easy to get to. It's only literally two miles out from the city centre, so you can walk it and savour the the atmosphere as you go along, or you can take the, the intercity train or a bus, so it's really, really easy to get to. And when you're there, you'll have all the facilities there for foods and for beverages. And, you know, there's a variety of seating up high or right down by the pitch. And there's a great capacity there for people to get up and close and really enjoy it. Um, And fantastic TV screens so that you can really keep in touch with the action on the pitch.
1: Now, were you, um, did you ever get a chance to make it to one of the previous games? I know no- Notre Dame's played there and some other teams. Have you had a chance to watch American college football?
4: Unfortunately, I've been really unlucky and not have got, I remember Notre Dame here and I couldn't get tickets for it. So, you know, I, I would advise people to get your tickets quickly because they do sell out in in jig time. So I'm, that's why I have them reserved this time, which um, I should have done the last time, but Really looking forward to
1: it. Yeah, that's one thing Brendan had told me. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of Nebraska-Northwestern fans, but there will be a pretty big local push, and those tickets are going to go on sale in March. And I don't think uh, Nebraska fans probably quite realize there, there will be quite a few local people oh, that go. There will
4: be a massive amount of people locally that will go to this. There's people that have gone to all the the games here to four, and every year that uh, we host the college football, you've more and more local people getting involved and engaged in it. So there will be a great local crowd there.
1: Well, Mayor uh, Gilliland, we really appreciate the time. Um, looking forward to uh, checking out Dublin in August, and hopefully get a chance to maybe meet you or run into you at the game.
4: Absolutely, uh, I I live in the city centre in the Mansion House, so you just ask for the Mansion House, knock on the door, and uh, we'll have another chat, Sean.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much. And once again, uh, we appreciate the Lord Mayor of Dublin, Alison Gilliland, for taking some time here on the Husker Online Show. Much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
5: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
0: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker
1: Online Show. Robin, thanks again to the Lord Mayor of Dublin, Alison Gilliland, <laughs> for joining me here on the show. Did yeah. I do that good?
2: Your Irish really comes out when you do these interviews.
1: I really like it. Uh, enjoyed my time with the Lord Mayor, Alison Gilliland. but. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's bring in our next guest, um, not a guest, a part of the team, we, Abby yeah, Barmore. full-time team member. Um, as it's time for the mailbag, Abby, um, digging through the mailbag. We had an intern here, and you're no longer an intern, but he used to like crunch up paper for the mailbag and like make it sound like he was pulling out stuff from the mailbag. We don't do that here. No, nope, straight to business. But let's get okay. right to business. What do you got?
5: Maybe I could crunch some paper, though. <laughs> um, okay. Will Frost name a leading quarterback candidate after spring ball or wait until the end of fall camp?
1: That is a great question. Um, I tend to believe he'll somewhat keep it open, but I don't know. I mean, what are you worried about? Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy have executed their one-time transfers. Mm -hmm. So if you'd say, like, this guy's got the leg up coming out of the spring – you really don't have to worry about those guys transferring because they've already transferred once.
2: Well, based based on his track record, what I would see happening is internally everybody has a pretty good idea of what it's going to be. But he's not going to come out and announce it at his you know post spring game press conference or whatever it is. Uh, he's going to let the competition play out because I think that helps keeps guys motivated a little bit to where the door is still technically open for you to make a push, even though like everyone knows that. It's so-and-so player's offense, and he's clearly the starter. So I think there's a way to get the necessary reps to prepare a guy as, he's, as if he's going to be the starter, while also not completely slamming the door on the potential opportunity for a guy to pass him up. All right, what do you got next, Abby?
5: Have you heard anything on how the vibe around the stadium offices and program has changed since the coaching staff is this program feeling revived after new coaching change, but then also like transfers.
1: Um, I, I just think there's optimism and there's excitement and yeah, you know, I, I think we're all caught up in off season championships here and, and you, you got to turn it on the field. But when you add 28 new players, five new coaches, um, and now with Vince Ginta's hire kind of, you know, taking on maybe a different approach with how you operate your personnel department. This has been massive offseason. I mean, this almost feels like a reset in some respects. um, The way things have been shaken up and the amount of players when over a third of your players are going to be brand new scholarship players.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of new. and I think that's where a lot of the excitement internally is coming from. But with that there's a little bit of an acclimation guys are working together for the first time you're still trying to get to know your fellow coaches and how they operate and um, you know bringing new ideas to the table and trying to find uh, you know a happy medium for what you want this offense to be and and all that stuff so you know sure there's a lot of you know optimism and excitement about what they've been able to do over the last few months but uh, you know here in a couple weeks it's time to get to work and you're gonna have your players back on campus and there's a lot of work that needs to be done over the next six months.
5: What are your expectations for the baseball team this spring?
1: I mean, I, I would like to see them obviously get into a regional, and I think it would be great to host one. I, I think when you look at the baseball season tickets being sold out, the reserved chairback seats, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people that think Nebraska can't have a chance to host one, and they were very close a year ago. If they would have played just six or eight non-conference games, they would have probably hosted a regional, and the Big Ten is screwed Nebraska because they played a gauntlet schedule. It was like 44 conference games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, they, and they ran away with the
2: league. Exactly. And so there was the, you know, usually with the non-conference games, you get a taste of just what a conference is compared to another. And without that, you're basically basing it all on uh, your, your internal competition. So that, Really put them at a disadvantage. Like how is
1: RPI, when you're only playing conference exactly. games, RPI is just pointless.
2: Yeah, it's, it's meaningless. And so basically it, it really hamstrung everyone in that conference, particularly Nebraska. But you look at their situation now, uh, You know, they're by far the preseason favorites to win the conference. If they do that, uh, they're already a preseason top 25 team, so they don't have to vault themselves that much further into the national conversation. It's all setting up for them to not only go to a regional, but I think there's a really good chance they can host one.
5: What is your take on Nebraska's Board of Regents voting on alcohol at Husker Games? What are the odds that this passes and when?
1: I think this will pass. Um, I don't think it makes it this far. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Washington, d c. You know you don't put a bill up like like this if you don't if you, if you don't think it's going to pass. I, I think Nebraska and Trev Alberts and Ronnie Green and Ted Carter have laid down really, really good points as to why this needs to happen. Every single championship event event in the Big Ten, including baseball in Omaha, basketball when it's in Chicago and Indy, the football game when it's in Indy, has alcohol. So, you know, it's going to happen. Like,
2: they're not, I mean, it would just be like, I mean, what are we, BYU here? I mean, Mm -hmm. come on. Like, Well, especially when two of your, you know, three major men's sports are already equipped to do it. I mean, with men's basketball, with baseball, like, it is a seamless transit. You basically just turn the taps on, and then Mm -hmm. there you go. But football is a different story just because of the infrastructure tall boy, well, of the tallboy cans but we yeah. we learned at garth brooks yes yeah, so you you need to have a much better plan than what they had for their, that their supply lines weren't were, were uh, yeah. like like they had the beer well and just the storage for all the beer too like i remember that was a big deal 100 and like 28,000 especially when you're doing full service food sessions. think about 128,000 tallboy cans were consumed that at garth brooks it takes up a lot of space so they they need to figure out logistically how they can make that work as smoothly as possible before it hits football but in the meantime you can work out a lot of kinks with your other major sports uh and make a bit of profit off that as well what i remember
1: about garth that night was the concession stands like your typical runs of valentino stand number one they ran out of food Mm -hmm. but number two they weren't selling the beer They, they they weren't set up for storage individual vendors. So like there was like a, a bar in the middle of the club, just one, it was just a
2: disaster. Like um, how like crazy it was just to get a drink. Yeah. So Uh, they, they've experimented. They understand all of the hurdles involved with doing it and what they need to improve upon. So I mean, the groundwork is set. Uh, I mean, the fact that you said that they're already like asking season ticket holders, they're like, they're clearly moving forward towards that. I just think football will probably be the last major domino that will eventually fall in there. It will
1: start in the club and the suites first. Right,
2: and there's easy ways to like introduce it, but as far as like full-scale stadium alcohol, beer service, uh, I think that's going to take some, some reconfiguring of how they operate at Memorial Stadium.
5: The transfer portal is changing recruiting. Who benefits the most, and who does it hurt the most?
2: Um, I,
1: I think schools like Nebraska really can benefit off it because – They have very lenient academic policies to get people in where, you know, if you're Notre Dame, Stanford, Mm -hmm. Northwestern, you hate the transfer portal Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're not just going to let you in to Northwestern or Notre Dame because you're good at football. Like you have to get through their admissions and meet a certain level of requirement. Um, And so like those places I think are hamstrung by the portal. And we've seen Stanford actually fall off the last few years and I don't know if that, that's, that has anything to do with it. And maybe that's why Brian Kelly left Notre Dame for LSU because he knew where it was heading. Notre Dame was going to have a hard time restocking players um, with the way the portal is and the way the missions are at Notre Dame. I do think that fringe high school guy that is right there to be a Power 5 guy but you don't know, that guy's hurt too. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to offer that guy. You're going to say, you know what, go to Northern Illinois, go to Ohio, go to Wyoming – And then if you do well there, we'll take you in. Mm -hmm. But I I, I do think it kicks down some people a level because of, you know, maybe four or five spots now go to the portal. Teams
2: are reserving X amount of spots in their classes every year for for portal guys. And so that's just less scholarships available for traditional high school recruits. So, yeah, there's there's that. Um, I also think like the FCS level schools are getting pilfered. I mean, look at what Nebraska's been able to do with their FCS transfers that they've brought in. Um, even like the Group of Five level schools, you know, like the, the Florida Internationals and those types that um, you know are getting good players, but they can't keep them uh, because now the opportunities to prove yourself at the college level and advance to a higher uh, you know level of, of football is, is a lot easier than it ever was.
1: All right, Abby, we got time for one more.
5: What are your Super Bowl predictions?
1: Um, I obviously want the Bengals to win. I'm cheering for them to win, but the Rams should win this game.
2: should. They're at home.
1: Chiefs should have won, too. They're, the Rams are at home, which, if you want to call that home.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're it's like the worst home field advantage. Of are there
1: more of Rams fans in St. Louis or
2: L.A.? I don't know. The, I saw they did a side-by-side, like, pre-game, like, before the teams left to go, like, start getting ready for Super Bowl week. They did, like, a little pep rally at each thing, and, like, the Bengals had, like, thousands of people like it filled up the entire i want to say stadium but uh it was a huge crowd then they showed like the the rams one it was like a high school pep rally like they had one side of like a high school field field filled up uh and it was just really amateur hours so it just goes to show you like it means more in certain markets than it does you you have all the exposure of la and all that stuff but you know the fans in cincinnati are way more invested in this than the quote-unquote fans but rams
1: if the rams don't get this super bowl robin like they're going to get hit hard with cap stuff.
2: Yeah, because they have a bunch of older, overpaid guys, and they gave away all their draft picks, so they have no future <laughs> building pieces. Uh, they went all in on this year, and we'll see. I mean, if it works, then great. They got a Super Bowl ring out of it. But if you don't get it, they're going to be in a world of hurt for the next few years.
1: Well, and years. who would have thunk that Connor C- Cooper, How do you call- Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, sorry, like that, this guy is like the best guy. Like of all that talent, like he's turned into like the superstar of that team.
2: Yeah, I mean, from a fantasy football nerd perspective, the greatest receiver season in fantasy football history.
1: Like he's going to be a number one pick next year, right? You would
2: think so, especially in PPR leagues. Yeah,
1: he's he's the real deal. But Abby, who who do you have in the Super Bowl?
2: Oh, I didn't get my pick. Oh, go. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm I'm rooting for the Bengals, and I'm picking the Bengals in an upset. Boom, boom, twenty three twenty one. Zach Taylor gets showered with neon lime green Gatorade, and they carry him off the field, and it's a, uh, a true and special And he comes moment. back to the spring game. Yes, and then he's like, ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl champion coach Zach Taylor. <laughs> Nate Roar just freaking <laughs> blows yes. up on he the mic. He gets a third down. <laughs> it's Zach Taylor. <laughs> what do you got, Ab? All right, Ab, you too
5: um top that I gotta, one i gotta go with robin it's not gonna be as Let's fancy go. but bangles i'm a joe burrow fan sorry oh yeah, joe despite what he did to my chiefs that was just absolutely brutal mm. but if somebody's got to win and it's not patrick mahomes i guess it ought to be joe burrow all
1: right well we all want the bangles i am picking the rams but i think the Bengals. i want the Bengals to win
2: yeah we're picking with our hearts you're picking with your head all right
1: <laughs> well we'll close the show we're gonna have to and on a down note, we're gonna talk Nebraska basketball, Robin. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> we'll close the show next and get some insight for Robin you're listening to Oscar Line Show.
5: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
0: This is HuskerOnline.com Your authority on Nebraska athletics
1: Final segment here of the Husker Online show Sean Callahan, Robin Wash It's been a great show here in JoJo Dolman And Lord Mayor Allison Gillilin Of Dublin, Ireland I just want to keep saying that over and over, Robin, sorry <laughs> um, But, gotta do this Gotta talk basketball, I'm sorry to our listeners But Robin, um, we gotta hit on what, What's going on you know, I, I thought this was an interesting week uh, as Nebraska continues to struggle this year, uh, you know, to get that first win in conference play. But um, Eric Olson, longtime colleague of, uh, of ours from the Associated Press, released the scan ticket data.
2: And, and they stopped printing those on the final box scores. I don't know how long ago, but they used to do tickets sold and actual attendance. And I, I think it was
1: kind of a counterpunch to Creighton because Creighton was never doing it. Mm. And so... You know, like in the early PBA years, because, you know, another colleague of ours, Lee Barfnick, he used to really demand that scan ticket data every game, and they mm. started putting it on there, if I remember right. Mm. and and Lee Lee was persistent and shook some trees and got that put on there. and they they stopped doing it. Um, so it always would just say sold out or fifteen, five or fifteen, whatever. And you know, we hadn't seen that. Well, the Associated Press reports this week, that there's essentially been 8,000, and in Saturday's case, almost 9,000 no shows that bought tickets mm-hmm. to
2: Nebraska basketball. And this should surprise probably no one. Yeah, I mean, when you're 0 12 and Big Ten play, I mean, uh, you look at the secondary market, that Northwestern game, uh, tickets were going for, I think, two bucks in like if you're in 300 level. So, Clearly it's to the point where, uh, the people that bought the tickets don't really want to go and they're having a hard time giving them away to people, even for free sometimes to, to take those tickets. And I think that's just a, you know, it's a direct reflection of what this season is and the current state of the program where there was so much excitement, you know, just a a few months earlier and how quickly things have unraveled here, uh, with just the, the product on the court. Uh, and really just the uninspired, uh, inconsistent play that we've seen far too often from this group. It's, it's, it's hard for Nebraska fans to continue to devote the time, money, resources to, to go to games, to pay for parking, to buy food at the concession stands, to, uh, you know, deal with traffic and all that stuff, uh, you know, and that will immediately change once Nebraska starts winning. Uh, but for now, uh, it's really hard to blame anyone for, uh, you know, letting those tickets go to waste and, and not showing up the way they used to.
1: Yeah, it is um, really, really tough. And you feel for the rail yard. I mean, this is an area down here where we office out of. And, um, you know, these businesses, you know, count on those games and those crowds and
2: yeah, when things were rolling, this place was, like, popping before and after games. Like, oh, yeah.
1: Where, you know, I talked to friends, and they're like, Gate 25, one of the great bars to go before, is, is dead. Mm-hmm. Like, people aren't, I mean. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, you,
2: it's just, it, it, again, it's one of those deals where, um, you know, they're, it's just hard for people to, to dedicate that much, uh, you know, resources <laughs> with, with to. to Watch uh, really frustrating, uh, and sometimes is downright bad basketball. And until that changes, uh, this pattern I think is going to continue to trend downward.
1: We're listening, you're talk, uh, talking Nebraska basketball here on the Husker Align Show with Robin Washett. and Robin. You know, you've talked to Fred. I know to the side and, and got a feel for things. I mean, what is the way out of this? I mean, how how is it I mean, obviously this year's gone, but you know, what are the options right now?
2: Yeah, uh, the big first. I Let mean, let's just operate on the assumption that Fred is back. Um, I know that's still been under much debate. Um, but there is a obviously hefty price tag. And personally, I don't know if he's going to be the type of guy that for one walks away, I know people think that he's just going to retire. I don't see that happening. Uh, I think he's got plenty of, uh, competitiveness left in him. Uh, and then also there's, uh, that's a lot of money to turn down, uh, even if you renegotiate your buyout. You know, it's not his fault that Bill Moose gave him all that money. And so that's money that the University of Nebraska and the athletic department agreed to pay him. You know, you're just not just going to say, oh, yeah, you don't have to pay me that. So, You know, what, what's 18 and a half? Exactly. And so, you know, I, I think that the more, the realistic scenario here is Fred's back next year under the condition where he's got to make some changes, both uh, with just the, the makeup of his staff. Uh, I would not be surprised whatsoever if there's, some movement um, at the assistant coach level and, and maybe even beyond that. It's a lot similar to what Scott Frost had to do. Uh, but then also, you know, I think he, he, he as just as a coach, regardless of what, you know, Trev or whatever has to say, I think you really need to look at what you're doing um, schematically and how you're building your roster. Uh, I think that this fast-paced, you know, tempo, analytics-based offense, it just doesn't work. Um, in the big 10, um, the big 10 is a different brand of basketball and they have to uh, adjust the way they play to fit the conference, just like Scott Frost had to do, uh, with the way he's kind of evolved his style of play. So I think there's a lot of parallels to the, the, the transition, um, Scott Frost had from year one to now, uh, to what Fred is probably going to have to undergo as well, uh, to just build this program to be, uh, much more suited to compete in the big 10 conference. And, you know, I, there's a lot of ways that they can go about it, but I think that you can make some direct staff changes. Um, I think philosophically you can maybe slow down that the type of style of basketball that you play, get yourself a true p- pass. First facilitator point guard. Um, obviously they could use some more front court size. Um, but you know, not depend so much on winning in transition and shooting three pointers because that right now that has proven not to be a formula of success in the big 10.
1: Robin, in that radio show, uh, Fred Hoiberg did his weekly radio show this week. That was kind of the first time we've seen kind of the gloves come off from even fans. And, you know, I, I heard some comments like they got to do a better job screening those. Calls. How
2: do you screen the calls? Like, it's not like the mad guy in Cozad or whoever calls in. The one thing I'll say is that that same dude did the th- same thing to Tim Miles like four years ago. where like he like lambasted Tim on the show. So. And he didn't change his name. So, like, you'd think that maybe, like, after the first time, Eric and Kozad would be, have a little check mark next to his name. But either way, uh, it was brutal. Well, it's the
1: first him. year the network is on the new stuff yeah. and new producer. I mean, it's it's hard to, to screen a show and not let a guy on like that. Because what are you going to talk about, Eric? Oh, I, I, I want to just talk about the roster. Okay, great. Hold on. I mean, that it's not like Jim Rome's show or. You know, the Rush Limbaugh show where there's so many people that call in, like you literally have to do your take Mm -hmm. before they say, okay, you're good. We're going to let you on the air. Like Mm -hmm. a Husker basketball show like that, they're
2: just like, okay, great. You want to ask about the roster. Let's bring in Eric from Cozad. Well, either way, he was two minutes into that show and he gets that (laughs) right at him and they didn't hold back. There was, it wasn't just that one caller either. The next guy basically said, you know, what, what can you tell us to give us belief that this is actually going to work here? And. Uh, you know, so he got uh, hit pretty hard, uh, as hard as we've heard a Nebraska coach deal with on a university station. And again, I think that just goes to show the level of fan frustration and unrest with the current state of this program. And people want answers. They want to understand, uh, you know, why this has been so bad, why this has been the worst three year stretch in program history for a program that is regarded as one of the worst college basketball programs in the country.
1: <laughs> if you're Greg Sharp, those are like the tough, okay, okay let's go on to uh, Bill and uh, Pender. <laughs> and moving on now, let, let's bring in Jim and Palmyra. You know, you just like have to like keep moving. The, 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 I've been a part, like I was Husker Big Red Reaction host with Lane Grindle during the 2007 season, and that was after games, and that was when Nebraska suffered and You know, they didn't screen calls for Big Red Reaction. And let me tell you, Steve Peterson would listen to the show. Mm -hmm. And if we said something, which I never got talked to, but if we said something he didn't like, you know, Lane or somebody would hear about it. And it was just a different time back then. Um, But, yeah, it's 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 not easy to navigate through a show like that, especially when. You got fifteen thousand people that bought season tickets to watch his
2: team. Well, you got to wonder what calls didn't make it. <laughs> Do, you know, they uh, they, were, they were still screening calls, and you got to wonder which ones uh, got turned away because uh, I'm sure there were more than just those handful that they put on air. But you know, again, uh, it's it's just the reality of the situation of the program not, not right now. And to, to Fred's credit, he handled it like a champ, probably as well as you possibly could um, in that situation. And now, you know, he's got to figure out a way to to answer those questions on the court. Um, You know, he's got to find a way to turn this program around and at least make it even just mildly competitive. That's all fans want. They want consistent effort to where, you know, night in, night out, Win or loss, Nebraska's is going to play hard, and they're going to play a, a brand of offense that you you can you know ex- know what to expect from game to game. And there's not going to be these wild ups and downs just in in terms of their fight and execution and even interest level, uh, the way that we've seen far too much of this year. And that's that's the start. And then obviously that needs to start translating into wins. Considering the investment that Nebraska has made into its basketball program with the new facilities, they're not new anymore, but with all of the facilities, with the paycheck they gave Fred Hoiberg and obviously uh, all the extensions and contract incentives with that.
1: All right, Nebraska will play Sunday, 1 o'clock, at Iowa. That's a FS1 game. So um, kick your Super Bowl Sunday off with uh, Nebraska basketball at Iowa. Make sure you log on to Line.com. Robin will have complete coverage of – uh, that and the rest as uh, plenty going on here in Husker Nation.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.